God, we've come to the time in this service when we place ourselves at the foot of the cross and we peer into the face of our Lord. We need to hear from you today, O oh God. There are people in this service today that need to hear from you. There are people that have said, if I can just get to God's house, if I can just get to the house of God, Lord, there are people that are anticipating a touch they need today. And I pray that they'll not be disappointed, but I pray that the word of the Lord will heal. You said you sent your word and healed them. You said that your word was like a hammer that would crush the stone to powder. God, there are people that need you to do today what no other power can do. And I ask you to make your word come alive in our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen and amen. Last Sunday we preached that God is a God who heals, he delivers, pardons all of our iniquities. We learned that we're on a, a journey, that our citizenship is in heaven, that this world is not our home. And we made the statement that it seems evident that there are many people who are very much at home in this world and perhaps have lost their desire for that better country whose builder and maker is God. God gave us a great promise he said, I go to prepare a place, and if I go, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you can be also. And the Bible, the last verse of the Bible says, even so come Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Bible said that we should watch, because the Bible said if the good man of the house had not watched and would have allowed his house to be broken up. The Bible said, Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. So we're told that we should watch and pray, that we should stay on our guard. In fact, First Peter says to be sober and be vigilant because we have an adversary. Be sober and be vigilant and be faithful and be steadfast and unmovable because God is looking for such a people to serve him and to worship him. When we came to the Lord, we came out of the darkness into his marvelous light. When we came to the Lord, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When we came to Christ, we became a new creature in Christ Jesus, that old things were passed away and all things became new. When we came to the Lord Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the Lord of glory. When we came to the Lord Jesus, we cast all of our care upon him because he cared about us. When we came to the Lord Jesus, we allowed his blood to wash every sin, every sin that was as crimson, every sin that was red. The Bible said he made it white as snow. And God has written our name in a book called A Lamb's Book of Life that one day a roll will be called and we all expect and hope and pray to hear our name called when that reading is given. But until that day comes, the charge to all of us is to draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Unfortunately, it hasn't always been that way with God. His people, the history of God's dealing and his intermingling with us since the fall in the garden and trying to bring us back to himself has been at times very difficult because there are three enemies that we have. One is called the world. The Bible said the world loves its own and tells us don't love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is of the world and it will pass away. But he that does the will of the Father abides forever and forever. So we've got a choice there that we all have to make. Unfortunately, in these contemporary times, culture seems to be winning the war. Instead of the light that we're to have, it seems the darkness seems to be overpowering the light. And one writer said not long ago that religion in America is on a slippery slope going downhill. The strong Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention has reported losses uh, the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church in America has lost a million members in the last 10 years. What we saw as growth and saw as the evangelical movement has almost come to a standstill. And conversion is happening in world missions. 
we're looking at a, a church of God growth rate of somewhere around 17%. But here in America, that's about 1%. Our growth is in foreign countries. It's missionaries and it's Bible schools and other places in the world. It seems that America has become proud and arrogant and haughty and self-willed and self-centered. And somehow we think that we have the blessing of God just because we're Americans. Somehow we seem to equate the word Christian with being American. But I want to tell you the word Christian means Christ-like. And to be his disciple, the Lord Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. The Lord Jesus challenged every one of us when he said, For if any man cometh after me and taketh not up his cross, he's not worthy of me. In fact, Jesus even made the statement that it's not about uh, the showy part of our identity as the church because he said many will come and they will say, did we not do this and did we not do that in your name? And he'll say, I never had relationship with you. So the most important thing in our whole endeavor is this relationship with Christ. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. To know Jesus in such a way that you say, I have him in my heart, that I have him in my life. He is a very present, a very present resource and a very present power, reality in my life. He's not some ambiguous figure that is apart and detached, but he's present with me right here where I am and stays with me all day long and at all times. Could you give God some praise for that? So the challenge for every one of us is to walk a walk of faith, a walk that is in the light, a, a walk that is ordered by the Lord, a walk that has been determined by, for us by his eternal purpose, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, I, I need to tell you, with all of that in mind, there was a time when, when we were uh, a wild olive branch. We weren't a part of the original tree. God's promise was to Abraham and to his, his family, which later became a nation, which later became the people of God. And God dealing with his people, there were times when they would make molten calves and they would worship an a, a, a image and it would anger God so bad. There were times that after the death of the great King David that there were other kings that came that the Bible said they made Israel to sin, that they led Israel away from God. They became away. So much that God said this, my people serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God said they go through the motions. They have the rites and they have the ceremony and they have the rituals, but they don't have the heart. They don't have the heart. Their heart is not in it. He said, in the day you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. He said, in that day that you give me their full attention, your total focus, and with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, he said, that's when you'll see me and discover me and I'll become a reality to you. But the truth is, in God's dealing with Israel, was oftentimes they would go off into idolatry. It was a, a problem they seemingly always had. And God looked at that, that situation, and the Bible said, but there was a better hope, and there was a better way, a more excellent way, the Bible said. And God brought forth his son, Jesus, and presented him to a world that was needing a Savior, a Savior who died on a cross and shed his blood for the remission of sin. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It was meet that God, in the fullness of time, sent forth the Lord Jesus, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem those who were in bondage all their lifetime to that law. But that was to Abraham and Abraham's family and Abraham's people. But thanks be to God. Can somebody say thanks be to God? Who included us in the redemptive plan. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as did receive him gave he power to become the sons of God. One of the great benefits of, of this blessed uh, event and this blessed occasion 
is this one thing, that Gentiles were included in redemption, that we all found our way into that wonderful place. There was a time when we weren't apart. There was a time when we were outside looking in. But look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ because you were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You weren't a descendant of Abraham, therefore you were without Christ, without the promise. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and you were a stranger from all the covenants that God had made with Abraham and his people throughout the years. In other words, we were outside looking in. We didn't have a covenant. The covenant was unto Israel, unto God's people. The prophets, the Jewish prophets, had prophesied, one day Messiah will come. Isaiah was such a prophet of uh, messianic uh, prophecy that he's often called the gospel of Isaiah because he preached so much and talked so much about Jesus. But that was to God's people, not to us. We were outside the sphere of the covenants, outside the sphere of the promises of God. But hallelujah, I'm so glad that God included us in that plan. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and a stranger from the covenant promise. And we were lost, having no hope, and without God in the world. What a terrible plight. Can you say this word, depraved? Depraved, that's exactly what we were. We were lost in depravity. We were lost having no hope and without God, but I love that word, but now. But now, that means things have changed. That means things are not like they were. That means the whole complexion of God's interminglings with us has changed. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace to us who were afar off, and also to them that were nigh, speaking of the Israelis. For through him, through him, we both, Gentile and Jew, we both have access by the Spirit of the living God unto the Father. In other words, because God included us in this gracious plan of redemption, we who were estranged from God and away from God and on the outside looking in have now been made partakers of this blessed hope, been made partakers of this celebration of redemption through Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, hallelujah, made peace with God through the blood of his cross and we're no longer afar, we're no longer a stranger, we're no longer an alien, we are now the household of God, we're children of God, we're sons of God and we celebrate because we're family of the living God. Can you clap your hands and say thank God that we are a part of his covenant. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach this thing today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for we who were afar off have now been made nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus. What none of us could do for ourselves, Jesus did for us. When we had no hope, Jesus did something for us. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. All because of his love that he had for every one of us. For God commendeth his love toward us. Romans 5, 7. Commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Having slain that enmity and malice and animosity that was between us. And he made peace with God for every one of us. In fact, Paul just boldly proclaimed, For he is our peace who hath made both one. Hallelujah. Peace is not a thing. Peace is a person. When you say, I have peace, it means you have Jesus. 
And whosoever hath the Son hath everlasting life. And he that hath not the Son shall not see life. Oh, I'm glad I've got Jesus today, aren't you? And because I've got Jesus, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a wonderful blessing that is. I'm glad that we who were excluded have now been included. We who were afar have now been made nigh. But God intended for us when we embarked upon this pilgrimage, some call it a race. And Paul said the important thing is not the style with which you run. It's, it's not the pace. It's the finish line that's so important. You just make sure you make it to the finish line. But oh, I'm so glad I've got some help in that endeavor because in Galatians, the Lord said this, Paul quoted, he said, he will not take his hand off of you until he have finished that which was begun in you. You see, when you got up out of that altar, it may have been an humble little building somewhere. It might have been by your bedside. It might have been in your car. But wherever it was, when you made an altar in your heart and surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, when you had that experience, you began a pilgrimage. You began a journey. You began a, a purposeful walk that was intended for you to grow and become stronger and to get more exercised in faith and patience and all the virtues that accompany that. God wants you to grow. God never wants you to stand still. Ha. Serving the Lord is not a standing still situation. It's an ever-growing, ever-learning situation. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, when I heard you got started on your way to heaven, when I heard the good news that you'd been saved by grace and had changed your life, when I heard that good news, I also recognized that there was another comment that people made about you. And it's that rest of that verse. Can you read it with me? Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love for all the saints. Brother, there is a distinguishing characteristic about people who have increasing faith. When I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. Brother, he'll give you a love when you don't have a love. He'll give you a purpose when you don't have a purpose. He'll give you a, a plan when you don't have a plan. He'll give you knowledge when you don't have a clue. He'll give you the energy when you're so weak you can't put one foot in front of the other. He'll give you sight when you say, I can't see. He'll give you ear to hear when you say, I, I, I can't hear. Because God will give you whatever you need and he'll supply whatever you need supplied in order, order to get you in that mode of growing in faith and growing and increasing in love for God's people. If we say that we love God but don't have love for God's people, we make him a liar. Come on, somebody. We make him a liar because the very fact that we love God if you got the love of God, it makes you love people. It makes you love people. If you're increasing in faith, if your faith is growing, when I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the people of God. Lord, what a wonderful thing that is for us to realize that love accompanies faith. It's a partner with faith. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. My prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you a gift. I'm praying that God will give you something. I'm praying and seeking God. I'm fasting and I'm hoping and I'm believing that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Now what is wisdom? Wisdom is truth in action. Because it's not enough to just know. Knowing is just knowledge. It's not wisdom. Because if you know to do good and doeth it not, 
Come on, somebody. Pastor, what are you preaching today? I'm preaching that knowledge is one thing, wisdom is another. Wisdom is taking the truth and putting it in action. Wisdom is taking what you know to do and doing it. Not doing it is transgression. Doing it is wisdom. I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom. You mean there's a spirit, there's an anointing that is attached to my walk with God? You mean that the spirit aids me in this walk with God? That just knowing what step I need to take is knowing it, but wisdom is taking the step and walking the walk step by step, aided by the Spirit. Glory to God, you'll get this in a minute. Doesn't the Bible say that the Spirit helpeth our infirmities? What are infirmities? Weaknesses. My weaknesses. For when I'm weak, when I'm weak, not if I'm weak, when I'm weak, then am I made strong. Something aids me and helps me in my walk with God that when I'm weak in my own strength and I'm frail in my own ability, there is an energy and there is a source of power that comes to me that helps my infirmity. It gives me strength, gives me power when I can't do it myself. That spirit not only helps me in my infirmities, that spirit helps me pray. Has anyone ever had difficulty in prayer? Sometimes the cares of this life and the weight of your responsibility is so heavy that prayer becomes more of a duty than it becomes a pleasure and a privilege. Prayer ought to be a pleasure. You ought to enjoy times of prayer. If it's dutiful and if it's laborious, then get closer to him. You're walking too far away. Woo. My God, I feel his power this morning. You're walking at a distance. You're like Peter. You're following from afar off. You know him, but you don't want anybody to know that you know him. I know him, but I don't want everybody else to know that I know him. God wants right the opposite. Because you know him, God wants everybody else to know that you know him. Because if you know him like you ought to know him, then everybody else will know him because you let them know that you know him. Hey, this whole world needs to know that we know him. If anything about this church positive could be said, it would be this, they know God. They know how to pray. They know how to worship because they know the God of worship. They know the Father of mercies, the Father of glories. They call him God, our Father. They are acquainted with him. They know him. Walking afar and following afar is difficult and it's hard. But you know when you pray, you get down to pray and heaven seems brassed over because of all the laborious things that are in your life. I want to tell you, there's an aid because the Bible said, he ever lives. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus at this very moment is making intercession for us in the presence of the Father. Isn't that good that you've got a representative today in the throne room of God? His name is Jesus. He's a mediator. He is our attorney. He represents us in the presence of God. When our adversary, who is the devil, the accuser of the brethren, 
when he comes before God and accuses us before God, my attorney, the Lord Jesus, stands up and says, I object. He is not guilty because I've already paid that debt for him. Glory to God, I want to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was beaten for our peace. He was smited and the beard was plucked out and all of that treatment was due to us because we deserved crucifixion. But I want to tell you, when he stepped in our place and pushed us aside, when Jesus did that for me, he did something that nobody else could do or was willing to do. Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, all of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Come on and give God some praise this morning. I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation in number one, in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. God, give me an anointing to know Jesus better. God, give me the Spirit's aid in knowing Jesus better and taking the things of the life of Jesus and making them real in my life. God, grant that prayer that Paul is praying, that you will give me a spirit of wisdom in the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus. God grant that prayer, not just that knowledge of Jesus. You ever, you ever sing that song, more, more, more about Jesus? More of his saving grace, more of his love, more of his mercy, more of his goodness, see? Oh, God, help this church to become so desirous and so hungry for more of Jesus. God, help our leaders become more desiring and more passionate about the things of Jesus. Grant that prayer. Let it become my prayer that you would grant a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation so that we could know more about Jesus. More about Jesus. If we could preach about Jesus and sing about Jesus and teach about Jesus and testify about Jesus, he said, if you'll lift me up, I will draw all people unto me. Not just about Jesus, but secondly, listen to what he says. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that ye may know, that ye may know, that ye may know. What do you want us to know, God? Number one, what is the hope of his calling? The Bible said you were called with a holy calling, not according to your own works, but according to his eternal purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Your calling was a call out of darkness. Your calling was a call out of bondage into liberty. Your calling was a call into blessing, not cursing. Your, your, your calling was a calling into healing, not pain and suffering. Your, your calling was into light, into knowledge, into revelation, not to ignorance and darkness and obscurity. God wants you to be a, a light, a shining light. A person that is truly furnished under good works. That's what God wants. God wants that the man of God may be perfect. Perfect not meaning that he's without flaw. It means that he is complete. It means that he's whole. Hey, once you've got Jesus, and once he begins this faithful walk with him, and praise God, you don't need anything else. The song says, he's all I need. He's all I need. Sometimes you tell me he's all I've got. Well, I want to tell you back, he's all you need. God is all that you need. If you come here to this service today and you're seeking all kind of answers from all kind of sources, I want to tell you the greatest source you can go to is his word. And the greatest thing you can hear is that God's grace is sufficient for you. Wow. What is the hope of his calling? The hope of his calling is that all the promises of God that are given to you are yea and amen. Praise God. 
the hope that lieth within you. The Bible said, be ready to give an answer to every man concerning the hope that lieth within you. What is the hope of his calling? Oh, that he's going to do what he said he would do. That I don't have to stand scratching my head wondering what's going on here. I can say the Lord is the Lord of my life. He is the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid or of what shall I fear? The Lord, he is my rock and he is my salvation. He doesn't change. Things change, but God doesn't change. His ability to heal and save and deliver, it doesn't change. And because God doesn't change, the sons are saved. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint? What is the inheritance? What has God promised to everyone? What is our inheritance? Our inheritance is eternal life. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The hope of his calling the glory of the riches of the Lord, the inheritance that we have is eternal life. The Bible said that we might inherit eternal life. One good man went to Jesus one time and said, I need my inheritance. Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So the issue of our inheritance is eternal life. And Jesus looked at that young man and said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. But he said, But if you really want to see eternal life, go and sell all that you've got. Give it to the poor. Come, take up your cross and follow me. One of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. But when the young man heard that saying, he turned and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. When he weighed, according to his understanding, in the balances, am I willing to give up all of my riches so that I can have an inheritance? No, I love my riches too much to have an inheritance. Come on, somebody. You see, the enemy will challenge us sometimes not on the wisdom of surrendering your life to the Lord. He'll challenge you on the cost of discipleship. And I need to tell you, there's a discipline of discipleship. There's a cost that goes along with discipleship, and that is giving up yourself. Third thing, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. See, saying, I want you to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know about the hope, know about the inheritance, and know about the power. Know about the power. Do you know about the power? Brother, last Wednesday night, we celebrated the power of God in our lesson last Wednesday night. Oh, there was such a rejoicing and a shouting in the camp of the Lord last Wednesday night. Charles is best ever, wasn't it, buddy? Praise God. Rejoicing, telling about the power of God. You know, we need to rehearse the power of God before our people. We need to know what God has done through his power, through his power. I talked to the congregation Wednesday night about the healing power of God. I talked to them about actual miraculous things that God had done through healing. We talked about great miracles that God supplied needs, needs that were so needy. You found out last Wednesday night that I don't like butter beans. No, no, no. Brother Bumpers asked me, he said, the, them, you like them little ones, don't you? And I said, yeah, the green llamas, yeah. Not them big old fat giant llamas. Because we lived on those things for three weeks one time. We ate them breakfast, dinner, and supper. 
Now, brother, when you eat them breakfast, dinner, and supper for three weeks, you don't ever want to see another one. The worst stink in our house is when mama would cook a butter bean. I got it up to here with butter beans. I've been here 32 years, and every woman who cooks in this church knows don't serve butter beans to the pastor. Pintos, yeah, but not the old giant limas. In the midst of all of that, a lady sent us a, a card and said the Lord had woke her up at 3 in the morning. She said, I don't know, you may have hundreds of dollars, but said the Lord told me to send you this money. Because, see, see, this is not something that I just come to know. I have been brought up knowing about the power of God in the church. I've been brought up to see people healed. In my ministry, I've seen people healed. I've seen people that came to an altar so crooked and bent with back problems that, David, you probably couldn't get them straight. But I've seen through prayer, I've heard bones start popping and men stand up straight and start running and in the spirit, visibly see the power of God. Hey, the Bible said it's possible that you can have a form of godliness but deny the power. Why do you want to preach about something you don't have? Why do you want to testify of something that's available to you that you won't seek for it? Why would you admit that God wants you to have something that you just don't have any desire to seek after? I want to tell you the power of God is in his church. Jesus said when he left this world, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. God wants his church to be a powerful church. It's not his will that we be anemic and weak. It's his will that when people come to the church with afflictions that we've got an answer. Come on, somebody. You see, it's one thing to put the label out there on the door. It's another thing to possess the power in these pews. Wow, that's great. God wants us to be authentic and have the power. Come on, Connor, and help me quit. I've preached a lot of messages about this walk over the years. Grew up singing songs about it. We are on a journey to a blessed country to a land of perfect day. Grew up singing, I'm getting ready to leave this world. Grew up singing about a home that God has. After a while, after a while, these heavy burdens we'll lay down. After a while, when we receive our globe and crown, there'll come a glad day after a while. We've sang about those futuristic things that we expect God to do and we're all on our journey. I told someone that was about to pass not long ago, I said, when you get there, you tell them, when I saw Jerry Irwin, he was on his way. He was on his way. I want to tell you, whole brother Jack Carter used to get up and testify on Wednesday night, and he'd say, well, this, night, this Wednesday night finds me pressing on up the highway. I'm on my way. Hey, I want to tell you something. When you've got the power of God, and you've got the expectancy that things are going to change, that God has something so much better for us, and you're on a, a journey, and you're on a, a way that's going to take you to the presence of God, yet endure many, many afflictions. The Bible said many are the afflictions of the righteous. Somebody say many. Many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, what's the rest of it? The Lord delivers him out of them all. How many is all? Is all more than many? Many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers out of them all. I want to tell you there's not an affliction that he can't deliver you from. There's not a difficulty. There's not a hardship. There's not a problem. There's not a, a pain. There's not a sorrow. There's not a heartache. There's nothing that confounds him. There is nothing that is beyond his control. He is so willing to touch and he's so willing to deliver. When our distance comes into our equation, we start blocking things. I wish I'd have brought mine. You've got yours. Don's got a little button right on his button. It's a little black button. 
You know what it's called? The block button. How many of you get those obnoxious calls that you don't like getting? Might as well stick your hands up. If we're voting with her, you're unanimous on this one. Lord, I hate it, don't you? Debbie told me not long ago, said, there's an app that you can get that'll fix that. Well, I hadn't got it yet, but I still like to block those obnoxious calls. Blocking somehow empowers you, doesn't it? Blocking somehow gives you authority. I'll take care of that. You're blocked. And I won't even go anywhere near that defriending stuff because that's too touchy. Block. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid God's got some blessings and God's got some miracles and God's got some healing and God's got some outstanding things to do for you and you've got him blocked. Whoo, sucked all the oxygen out of this place, didn't I? Is it possible that somewhere down the road you hit the block button on God? Is it possible that God wants to do something in your life but you've got him blocked? Is it possible that you and your personality and your attitude, you've just got him blocked? He'd love to do great things in your life, but you got him blocked. One of the great frustrations for me as a pastor is that some of you have got me blocked. What makes you think that, Pastor? Because after 32 years of preaching to you, I see no change. It's possible to walk in here and sit in these chairs, hit the block button. About 40 minutes he'll be through. And walk out that door unchanged, unchallenged. Same burden you had when you came in. Same attitude you had when you come in. Same problem you had when you come in. Same bitterness, same thing you came with because you got it blocked. Got the Word of God blocked. Got the Spirit of God blocked. And if you were ever asked about that, it would be, it's his fault. It's her fault. Because you see, blame goes along with blocking. I said blame goes along with blocking. Well, if you just knew what I was going through, you'd understand why I've got things blocked. Not just God, I got a lot of things blocked. Yeah, and that's why your marriage is like it is. That's why your business is like it is. Is you've got so many things blocked and you're so prideful and you want to have it your way. And you think you figured it out and it's your intellect and your intuition and your genius and your thinking and God says, my ways are so far above your ways but you insist on having your way. God says, I've got a better way but you've got me blocked. I've got a, I've got a way out but you've got me blocked. I've got a remedy. I've got a, whoo, glory to God. I've got victory. I've got a word for you. I've got an answer to prayer for you, but I can't get it to you. You got me blocked. Got me blocked. God says, I would love to do great things in your life, but you've got me blocked. You see, when you've got God blocked and you're blaming everybody, sometimes you'll even blame yourself and say, I can't do that. I can't get through that. I'm not gifted enough or I'm not talented enough or I'm not smart enough or I don't. And sometimes you even block yourself out. Sometimes yourself would like to tell you, hey, how stupid are you acting? How crazy? But you just say, 
block that. Come on, somebody. Just block that. Sometimes you don't like what yourself says to yourself. When yourself tells you how stupid you are for doing something, you just say, I'll block that. You see, God has respect to humility, not pride. God acts when we're humble, not when we're proud. Psalm 148, 138 and 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Would it be correct to say he knows them at a distance? In other words, they follow at a distance and God says, I know them at a distance. It has the meaning of recognizing who somebody is from a long way off. Don, I can see you pretty good here. Can't see you quite as well over here. Have you got your glasses on? I can't tell from here. Yeah, the further distance I go away, the less I can see. God says, I know him. Don't have a relationship, but I know who he is because I'm a long ways from him. And God is saying, draw nigh to me. If you'll make a move this way, I'll make a move this way. And as you start moving this way, and I start moving that way, I can see you better. But as long as having it your way, and you insist that, that I'm going to know you from afar off because I'm not near. I'm not near. God says, God's word says, I want you to be near to me. You see, when that old publican stood afar off, he realized his sin had caused him to be afar off. And there was a person who was nigh, but he prayed a prayer, and he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that publican. Thank you, God, that I pray three times a day. Thank you, God, that I tithe all of my goods. Thank you, God, that I observe all feasts. Thank you, God, that all 365 of the tassels on my prayer shawl are perfectly intact. And I thank you that I'm not like him. But the Bible said the old publican, standing afar off, his sin had blocked God. His sin had separated him and God. There was distance between him and God. He stood afar off. But the Bible said he smote himself upon the breast. And he said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. In other words, God, be merciful to the thing that has separated me and you. God, be merciful. God, be kind. God, be good to the thing that has all these years stood between me and you. And I want to take care of it right now. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, God. I'm in need of your grace. I'm in need of forgiveness. Please, God, touch me. And the Bible said, Jesus said, and that publican went down to his house justified. Justified. You see, God wants you to get that blocked button off too. Because he loves you, and he cares about you, and he can do great things in your life, but you got to unblock him. I said you've got to unblock him. One more scripture, and I'm through. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors. In other words, he's been talking about other men, what they've done in ministry and his work amongst these Corinthians. Now, I'll tell you this. 
I wouldn't have lasted long as pastor at Corinth. Who would want to pastor Corinth? He called them carnal. They weren't spiritual. He said it's commonly reported there's fornication among you. He said one of the elders in the church is having an affair with his father's wife. Go figure. Talk about problems. They had all kind of fleshly problems going on in that church. Here was their main problem. They were a church that was satisfied, that had been blessed, had been touched by God, but that's as far as they ever got. They could not see beyond. They couldn't see the hope of His calling and the riches of His inheritance. All they could see was us and what we do. And Paul said this to them. It's, it's wonderful if you get it. I hope, I hope you get it. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other man's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we, the ministers, the pastor, the leaders, will be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. What he was saying was, as your faith increases, so does our influence increase. Wow. The two grow together. I said the two grow alongside one another. As your faith increases, so does our influence. Our influence. Our influence. Listen, and it grows. Our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. What do you think that means? Church growth. I said, church growth. Brother Irwin, why won't this church grow? Well, I'm going to tell you what one of my good friends told me. It's because they got a pastor like me and members like you. Well, what else could it be, Don? Brother Jerry, why won't our church grow? Because you got a pastor like me, and you got members like you. Well, what can we do to get it to grow? As your faith increases, as your walk with the Lord becomes intense, as your prayer becomes fervent, as your walk with God becomes a passionate walk with God, not just a stroll down memory lane, but a present walk with God in intensity, then we both, you and me, both grow and the sphere of activity among us will expand. But as long as we're complacent and passive, then we'll never see what that verse says. But as our faith increases, when will be the day we'll stop making excuses and just look at it like it is when our faith increases and the influence of our leadership increases, then the church will expand and grow. I'd like to enter into a pact with you here this morning. I'd like to say, I agree, I want this church to grow. Chris wants it to grow too, don't you, buddy? I want to be unblocked. What a, what a request. Is there anybody else in this building today that would say, I'd like to be unblocked? Well, they're coming, Chris. Amen. I want to be unblocked. I'll just let the Holy Spirit make the invitation today. I'll just let Him deal with your heart. If you want to be unblocked, you want to live a life unblocked, I want you to step out and come down this aisle. Unblocked. God, you have my permission to say anything you want to say to me. God, you've got my permission to send me a message anytime you want me to get a message. 
God, you've got my permission to reveal whatever you want to reveal to me. I'm going to get that blocked button pushed off this morning. And Lord, I'm going to listen for your voice. I'm going to listen for your message. I'm going to take a different attitude about your word, Lord. God, from now on, your word is going to be the enlightening factor that changes things for me. Lord, I'm going to listen for the message in every song. Lord, I'm going to listen for the voice of God in every scripture that's quoted. Lord, whatever you want to do with me, God, I'm unblocking you. Say anything you want to say to me. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. My God, you're 70 years old. How are you going to grow anymore, preacher? I'm still growing. That day, Rodney, when that power of the Lord strikes this place and we lift off from here, I'll be growing that day. Every morning when I wake up, Laura, God, teach me something today. Teach me something today. Lord, may the sun set on this day with me knowing more about you. Oh, thank you, God. My God, I feel his power in this altar right here. Do you feel this, his power? I said, do you feel his power? There's a mellowness here. There's a spirit of yieldedness here. Have thine own way, Lord. Sing it with me. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and Now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hand right up to the Lord. And I want us to pray a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for including me in the plan of redemption. I celebrate your Lordship in my life. You're my master and I am your servant. And I long to do your will in my heart and in my family and in my church and in my community. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. And in Jesus' name, I unblock everything in my life that would prevent your spirit and your grace from doing a work in my life. I surrender, I yield myself to you. And in Jesus' name, I will walk in the steps that you order for my life. And in Jesus' name, I will use my influence to let other people know that I know Jesus and that he is Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Well, come on, let's give him a real good praise this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Savior. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. 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 name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I love him and I'll serve him. I love him and I'll serve him. 
I love him and I'll serve him. I love him and I'll serve him. I love him and I'll serve him. I'll preach what he wants me to preach. You know, sometimes I go home and I sit and bawl like a baby. And if you hadn't walked up this morning and all of you come up here, this is one of those times I'd have went home bawling because I don't enjoy preaching those kind of messages that kind of pull the cover off of us and we see ourselves like we really are. That's not pleasant. That's one of pastoring and preaching that I don't like to do. You know me, I don't like that. I like to shout and celebrate and rejoice and but there are times when we have to examine ourselves. There are times when we have to take inventory. There are times when we need to stop and look at ourselves. And that old song they used to sing along is, My Lord Satisfied with Me. Is My Lord Satisfied with Me. There have been times in my life when I'll have to tell you I don't really know. Don't really know. But this morning I feel like this is a church and I believe that we're sincere before the Lord this morning and we're saying to God, I, I don't want to block anything, God, that you want to do in my life. My marriage, my home, my family, my kids, I don't want you to block anything. God, if I need it, then my ears are cupped. And I want to hear what you've got to say. The big mistake in churches is when we quit listening to the voice of God. Biggest error we can make is when we turn a deaf ear to what God and His Word are saying to us. That's a big mistake. You know, I preached to you a message some time ago about guardrails. You remember them? Guardrails on highways. Those guardrails are there for a reason. You know why? Because if you keep going in that direction, you're going to have a catastrophe. And it's a whole lot easier, I'll say you this before we go, it's a whole lot easier to crash into a guardrail than it is to go over the cliff. God, keep putting guardrails. But if I'm going the wrong way, thank God for a guardrail. Help me to know, God, Praise the Lord. I just feel good in my soul this morning, don't you? Greg, everything's going to be all right. In the name of Jesus. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. Mm, glory to God. Amen. Need a healing. These, this sweet couple right here drove through drive-through prayer. And the Lord touched their lives. And they've just been brand new creatures ever since. They've been such a blessing to our church. They're so wonderful, and I love them so very much. They've already become close friends to me. Amen. And I love them so much. Get my oil for me, somebody. There it is, right up there. I can get it. You got it? Well, that old right leg of mine might not make it up that step. If my right one would do what my left one would do, I'd run a race. The Word of God says something. It says in James 5 and 14, it says, Any, any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Boy, isn't that a great verse? God, I lay my hands upon this child of God, this daughter of Christ. And she has a physical infirmity that she needs you to touch. God, I know that you're able because you said, I am the Lord that heals you. I know that you're able because you said that by your stripes we're healed. And I pray for my sister this morning, and I ask you to touch her body and to heal her by your grace and by your power. Oh, yeah. Let the healing virtue, 
that flowed from Calvary's cross. The stripes upon your back were for our healing. In Jesus' name, touch her, heal her, and make her whole and make her well. Start a healing work in her right now, oh God. In Jesus' name, may she get better from this time forth and be made whole. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not them that preach or them that pastor, but them that believe. They shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. That's right. They shall recover. That's right. And I believe that for you. Amen. In Jesus' Amen. name. That's right. Debbie, get yourself up here, girl. Debbie needs a touch of God. Most of you know that she struggles with fibromyalgia. She takes the strongest medicine that you can take for that. You sure can. While, while Debbie's coming, we'll pray for your son. Amen. Yeah, and his back. God, in Jesus' name, I lay my hands upon Patsy Heath. Your word says that we could pray a prayer of faith and the prayer of faith would save the sick. Your word says, Lord, I am God and I heal. God, would you touch her today, oh God, and touch her son. And let the grace of God flow through her body, O oh Lord, and touch this son. He has an evaluation that he has a back problem. But God, you are greater than any problem, greater than any physical infirmity. And in Jesus' name, I ask you, God, to touch his back. Touch him and heal him by the power of God, the grace of God. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Lord, I lay my hands upon Debbie today. Debbie needs a touch of your presence and your power. And I pray, oh Lord, that you'd move upon her and that you let her feel the excellency of your presence, the power of your presence, the anointing of your presence. Oh Lord, you said that you're a healer. And you said that what you did at Calvary's cross was for our healing. And God, I know that you're able to touch Debbie today and to move upon her with healing grace and healing power. And I pray, God, that you would touch her, touch her body. Oh, Lord, the pain, I pray in Jesus' name that you deal with that pain. You suffered that pain, and you know about that pain. And in Jesus' name, I ask you to touch her body and to heal her, God, I pray. God, move upon her. God, in Jesus' name, heal her completely. Heal her totally. God, move, O oh Lord, and encourage her heart and encourage her spirit, God. Touch her as only you can in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen and amen and amen. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Aren't you glad you're part of the family? Turn to that person beside you, shake hands with them. Tell them you love them. Tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. Tell them I'll see you next time. Amen. God bless you and God go with you.